Hey friends, what's going on? Um, welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Kuf Nun Hey, Daf 155 of Masech the Shabbos. Um, okay, here's the thing about Daf Kuf Nun Hey. I think it's hard. I think it's hard. I think it's hard. I can't say for sure. Okay, let's go weiter. Um, so, an overview. So we're going to continue on our discussion of uh, Tzadin and Tzidet Tzadin. Well, I, I don't think that we got into Tzidet Tzadin yesterday, right? I think just just Tzadin. Um, but now we're going to introduce something called Tzidet Tzadin, which um, let's just say like take Tzadin and then what's it called? When you put that little number to the like top right, exponentially. It's exponentially as fun as Tzadin was. So... Um, Enjoy that. And then, although it's not that big of a deal. And then we get into like feeding animals pretty much for the rest of the um, daf. And yeah, whatever, tircha when it comes to feeding animals, stuffing stuff down animals' throaties. And that's what we're talking about. Friends, daf kufnun dalad amud bays, about six lines from the bottom, two, four, five lines from the bottom. Lema ketanoi. Okay. So let us say, that okay. Yesterday we had this machlokas between um, Rabba and Abaye about can you use the sides of animals really? And but then we tried to bring proofs based on trees because both when it comes to animals and when it comes to trees we have the same concern that if you ride an animal on Shabbos you might then pull a um, branch off of a tree to help you uh, navigate the animal and. Also, when it comes to climbing a tree and using a tree on Shabbos, we're concerned that you might pull off a branch. So now um, Abai found Rabba, who was playing with his child, and he was sliding the child off the side of the donkey. And Rabba seemed to have no problem with using the side of an animal. Now Abai said you can't use the side of an animal. So and the same would be applied to using this. Uh, the same would apply to using the side of a tree. So. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's machlokas between Abaye and Raba about can you use the side of an animal or not. So the Gemara wants to say, well, let's say that this is a machlokas tanoim. Okay, fine. So, lemukitanoi. So let's say it's a machlokas tanoim. In onla biyamtiv. Rabshim ben Elazar, Omer, Mishim, Rabmeir, onla biyamtiv. So, we have a brisa in which we say that Mishamu were talking about when you have a sukkah that has two uh, proper walls and the third wall is a um, tree. So the Tanakhama says you would not be allowed to go into this sukkah on Yom Tiv, even though it's a kosher sukkah, but you wouldn't be able to go into there because we're concerned about using this tree. And uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says in the name of Rabbi Meir that you would be able to go into this sukkah, no problem. My love, and the Gemara wants to say, let's say that the following is the machlokas between the Tanakama and Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar in the name of Rabbi Meir. So let's say that we're talking about Stadin. Let's say that we're talking about where you have two proper walls, two man made walls. The third wall of the sukkah is a um, tree that then you kind of like etched out some part of the tree. You took a board and you stuck the board into the tree and that's going to be your third wall. And this board would be considered Tzidei Ilan, the side of a tree. And so let's say that the Tanakama, who says that you would not be allowed to go into the sukkah, holds that Tzidei Ilan uh, is Osir. And that would be, and Rabba would be like that, like the Tanakama. And Reb Shim ben Elazar says in the name of Reb Meir that you're allowed to go into the sukkah. Well, he would say that Tzidei, I'm sorry, the Tanakam who says that it's Osir would be like a Baye who says that Tzidei Behema and also Tzidei Ilan is Osir. And Reb Shim ben Elazar who says in the name of Reb Meir that you would be allowed to go into this um, 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 sukkah. He would say that Tzidei Ilan are Mutarin and Rabbah would hold like this would hold like Rabbi Shem ben Elazar in the name of Rabbi Meir. Okay? So Abai, who says that Tzidei Behema and also Tzidei Ilan are Osir, would hold like the Tanakama. 
And Rabbah, who says that Tzidei Behema and subsequently Tzidei Ilan is Mutter, would hold like Rabshim ben Elazar in the name of Rabbi Meir. So now Amr Abaye. So Abaye responds. And of course, Abaye, who holds that Tzidei Behema and Tzidei Ilan are Aser, well, clearly he's going to want to he's going to want to make the claim that everyone agrees like him, that both the Tanakama and Reb Shimon ben Elazar in the name of Reb Meir agree that Sidei Ilan are Aser. Okay, well then, why does Reb Elazar, why, why does Reb Shimon ben Elazar in the name of Reb Meir say that you would be allowed to go into this sukkah on uh, Yom Tiv? So, Amr Abai, Asurin. Both the Tanakama and Reb Shimon ben Elazar and Reb Meir hold that um, Tzadin are Asurin. Well, then how come you're allowed to go into the Sukkah according to Reb Shimon ben Elazar and Reb Meir? So, V'hacha B'tzidei Tzadin K'miflagei. No, here, this isn't a case of Tzadin, of the side of a tree. This is Tzidei Tzadin, the side of the side of the tree. And there is where we have a Machlokas, that there's a Mandam who says Tzidei Tzadin would be Mutter. What makes this Tzidei Tzadin? What makes this the side of the side? Well, because in our Sukkah over here, you have two proper walls. Now you have this third wall. The third wall is a tree. So the tree, of course, is the tree itself. Now you have this board that we kind of, you know, put into a notch in the tree and it's sticking out of the tree. So that becomes the tzidei ilan. This board is now the side of the tree. But not only that, you're now taking schach and you're laying it and resting it on this board. And then you're taking a pot and putting it on the schach. So you're basically taking a pot putting it on schach, and that schach is on top of a board, and that board is connected to a tree. So basically what you're doing is you're resting this pot on sort of something that's twice removed from the tree, because you have the tree, and then you have the board, and then resting on the board is the schach, and on that you're putting your pot. And in that case, you're, 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 you're benefiting not from the, not from the tzidei ilan, but from the tzidei staden of the ilan. Okay? Um, and that is where Reb Shimon ben Elazar says in the name of Reb Meir that it would be mutter, and you can go into that, um, and that's why you're allowed to go into the sukkah, because we're talking about Tzidei Tzadon. However, says Rabbi, says Abai, if you would ask about just, uh, you know, Tzadon, just the side of a tree, that would be Aser. Everyone would agree that that's Aser, um, and that is Abai's argument, okay? So, Lo Dechuli Amad Tzadon Asurin Vacha B'Tzidei Tzadon K'miflige. My sovereign Tzidei Tzadon Asurin, so the Tanakhama says Tzidei Tzadon is Aser, that's why you're not allowed to go into this Sukkah. Whereas, Shim ben Elazar in the name of Reb Meir says that um, you're allowed to use the Tzidei Tzadon, that's why you're allowed to go into this Sukkah. Rava Amar. Rava argues on Abaye. Man da Asu B'Tzadon, Asu Nami B'Tzidei Tzadon, Man da Shari B'Tzidei Tzadon, Shari Nami B'Tzadon. Says Rava, look, he doesn't agree with Abaye. Right? Remember, Abaye says, everyone agrees, that Tzadon are Asurin, and there's a Machlokas by Tzidei Tzadon. Rava says, no way, no how. If you hold that Tzadon are Asurin, well then Tzidei Tzadon are Asurin. If you hold that Tzidei Tzadon are Mutarin, well then Tzadon are also Mutarin. Okay, fine, that's Rava's opinion. Ezver of Mesharshi of the Rava. Now Rav Mesharshi asks Akasha to Rava. Remember, Rava says that there's low plug, that we're consistent over here. If you say Tzadon are Asurin, well then Tzidei Tzadon are Asurin. If you say Tzidei Tzadon are Mutarin, well then Tzadon are Mutarin. Okay, he says, you know, according to Rav, it's all about consistency. Now, Rav Masharsha asks Akasha on Mr. Consistency. And here's his Kasha. You guys ready? I hope you're ready. Because he's talking about Erevin. And I hope you're ready for Erevin. Because we have three and a half months of it coming up very shortly. No, it's Yosid Ba'ilon. So if you have a tree and you take a peg and you stick it into the tree, okay? So now you have a tree, sticking out of the tree is now a peg, okay? So again, so yeah, right, so so no, it's Yasid Ilan, Vitala Okay, so what you did was you have a tree, then you take Epis a some kind of a peg, a stake. And you stop it into the tree. So you have a tree of, that's vo- standing vertically. Now you have a peg that is horizontally, perpendicularly stuck into the tree. Now, you take a basket and you hang it from this peg 
that is stuck into the tree. Okay. And now in the basket is your bread that you're using for an Eruv. Because what's an Eruv, of course? An Eruv is basically you set up some food somewhere and the food is there when Shabbos starts. And that is where you, it's, it's considered that that is where you are for Shabbos. It's where your meal is, where this food is. Okay. So what you did was, you know, you wanted to set up shop for Shabbos um, by this tree. So you have this tree, you took a peg or a stake and you stuck it into the tree. You then hung a basket from this peg and in the basket is your bread. And that bread is going to be your Erev. Okay. So the Gemara says, so if you stick this peg into the tree, and then you hang a basket from the peg. Now, so if this basket is above 10 Tfachim from the ground, well then, ain eruvo eruv, that is not going to be a good, a good eruv. How come? Well, because as I said a minute ago, that, you know, if you leave, um, bread somewhere or a meal somewhere and it's there when Shabbos starts, so it's like that is where you're having Shabbos. So now here's the thing. Here's this tree. This tree is in Rishusarabim somewhere. Okay? Outside of the city somewhere, right? Because wherever you are for Shabbos, you then get 2,000 Amos from there to travel. So let's say maybe you made this area, let's say you wanted to travel somewhere, right? Maybe there are two cities that are next to each other, but they're 4,000 Amos apart. Now you can only travel 2,000 Amos outside of your city. So what you do is you find the tree halfway between these two cities and you put this bread in a basket and you hang it from the tree. And then it's considered like that's where you're, you are for Shabbos. And now you can walk 2,000 Amos in either direction and you can go to whichever to and from the two cities, right? So now here's what you do. So you want it to be as if you're spending Shabbos under this tree that is in Rishus Arab, in between the two cities. But here's the thing. If you have this peg and the peg is stuck into the tree and you have a basket hanging from this peg and it's above 10 Tfachim from the ground... Well, friends, Rashi points out that the assumption is that the basket is at least four tfachim by four tfachim. And if it's above ten tfachim from the ground, it's its own Rishus HaYachid. That's going to be a problem, friends, because this um, bread is now in its own Rishus HaYachid. Now, this guy was planning on spending Shabbos, or at least halachically making it as though he was spending Shabbos in Rishus HaRabim under this tree. But his bread is in a Rishus HaYachid in this basket that's 10 Tfachim above the ground. And he can't take something from Rishus HaYachid into Rishus HaRabim, i.e. when he gets, when he's sitting under this tree and he says, you know what, I want to eat my bread that I have in this basket, he can't take it out and eat it. He's in Rishus HaRabim, his bread's in Rishus HaYachid, which means he has no access to this bread on Shabbos. And you know, if you're going to want it to be a good Erev, you're going to have to have access to it on Shabbos. And therefore we're saying, that if this basket is above 10 Tfachim from the ground, well then um, the bread that is in this basket is not going to be a good Erev because it's in its own Rishus HaYachid and he's planning on spending Shabbos in Rishus HaRabim. He can't take out this bread from the basket in order to eat it and therefore it is not a good Erev. As they say, uh, it's a, a fail. A fail, an F-A-I-L. That did not work out. And then, uh, yeah, it's not like he has Shabbos there and he wouldn't be able to walk an additional 2,000 Amis. Okay, so, so, so again, so now it's Yasid Ba'ilan. If you go to a tree and you take a peg or a stake and you stick it into the tree, Vitalabakalkala, and then you, um, hang a basket from this peg. Well, if it's Lamala Me'asara Tfachim, if this basket is, if it's Lamala Me'asara Tfachim, if it's above 10 Tfachim from the ground, well, in eruvo eruv. Well, then it is not going to be a good eruv because it's considered like the bread is in erushos hayachid. He's in erushos arabim. He won't be able to take out the bread to eat it. It's not a good eruv. Lematam yud However, if the basket is hanging within ten tefachim of the ground, well, then eruvo eruv. It is a good eruv because the basket is considered like it's in erushos arabim, and so is he. So he could take the bread out of the basket and eat it, and it's a good eruv, and that's where. It's considered that he's spending Shabbos. Now, friends, what does this have to do with anything? So the Gemara says, If anybody was wondering how come he is allowed to take out the bread from this basket, the basket is, after all, 
you know, to a certain degree, connected to this tree. How can he use the tree on Shabbos? So the Gemara wants to argue that time denotes Yasid Be'ilan. That's where the stake comes in. That's where the peg comes in. The reason why he's allowed to take the bread out of the basket is because the basket is not hanging directly on the tree. It's hanging on a peg that's in the tree. So therefore, you have the tree, you have the peg, you have the basket, and then you're taking out the bread from that basket. That basket is tzideit stadin. It's twice removed from the tree. And because it's twice removed from the tree, you're going to be allowed to take the bread out of this basket because it's tzideit stadin. Right? Let's go weiter for a second. Hello, Noats. But if he didn't stick this peg into the tree and he just kind of hung the basket from a branch, well then, um, even if it was within ten tefachim of the ground, if there was no um, peg, if there was no stake, he, he just took a basket and put it directly on a branch of the tree itself, well then, he wouldn't be able to take the bread out of that basket even if it's within 10 tefachim of the ground, because the basket is connected to the tree. So the basket would be considered tzidei ilan, and, or tzidei ilan, and you, you wouldn't be allowed to take it. You wouldn't be allowed to use the tzidei ilan. So here we see what? That there's a distinction between tzidei ilan and tzidei tzidei. That we're saying that when he has a tree, and he takes a stake and he sticks the stake into the tree and then he hangs the basket from that stake and in the basket is the bread and it's within ten tefachim of Rishus Harabim of the ground. Well then, great. He could take, you know, that, that's where he's, that's where he is for Shabbos. That's his Erev. He could take the Erev, the bread out of the basket and he can eat it on Shabbos and, and, and it's all good because the basket is, you know, the bread is really twice removed from the tree. You have the tree, you have the peg. Hanging from the peg is the basket. In the basket is the bread. He could take the bread out of the basket, no problem. However, the Gemara wants to say that if um, there was no intermediary peg, if he just took a branch of the tree itself and, hang the, and hung the basket on the branch itself, which means that the basket is only tzdade ilan, and then the bread was in that basket, which means that when he takes the bread from the basket, he'll basically be using the tzdade ilan, and we're saying that it's not allowed. So, it's a Kashan Rava who says that if you say that Tzadei Ilan is Aser, well then Tzidei Tzadim would also be Aser, right? And if you say that Tzidei Tzadim is Mutter, well then Tzadim would also be Mutter. Yet over here we seem to be making a distinction where the Tzadei Ilan would be Aser, yet the Tzidei Tzadim is Mutter. Wow, this is exciting stuff. So the Gemara is saying, V'ha'ha'i Tana, here's this Tana, the Ka'asur B'tzadin, who's saying that Stade Ilan is a problem, V'ka'asur B'tzidei Tzadin. And yet he's saying that the Tzidei Tzadin is permitted. Amr Rappape, said Rappape, Ha'cha B'kalkala D'chuka Askinan, D'bahade D'shakil Le'i Le'eruv, Ka'manid Le'i Le'ilan, V'ka'mishamesh B'ilan Gufei. Rappape says, No, Rav Misharsha, this has nothing to do with tzadin versus tzidei tzadin. This is a different concern. This concern is that you might end up moving the tree, right? Let's read it again. Here we are talking about a basket that has a very tight opening, which means that in order to stick your hand into this basket to take out the bread, right, you're really going to have to do some work. Right, that when you stick your, ba- your hand into the basket to take out the bread, he's going to move the tree because it's not, you know, it's going to require a bunch of effort. He's going to have to wiggle his hand in there, take the bread, he's going to be moving the basket, it's going to move the tree, and he's going to move the tree itself. Meaning that, so the concern here is that because it's a basket that is so difficult to sort of maneuver, so if the basket is on just a branch of the tree, well then when he tries to get out the bread and he's going to be moving around the basket, it's necessarily going to move around the tree and that's going to be a problem. However, if he takes a peg and he uh, sticks the peg into the tree and then he has the basket on the tree, uh, on the peg, and then when he takes out the, 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 the bread from the basket, even though it's, it's difficult, so maybe he'll move around the peg, whatever it is, but the tree will, the tree won't move. And therefore that's why it's acceptable. But it has nothing to do with um, it's just purely a practical concern, which is, are you going to end up moving the tree or not? 
right? And we don't want you to move the tree on Shabbos. However, if it was just a regular old basket where there's no effort and you can just take out the bread without having to move the tree at all, well, then you can even use the tzadin. You know, it's, it's not a, diff- you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with tzadin versus tzidate tzadin. It has to do with, with will you move the tree or not, right? And if it, you know, the same Tana who says that you have to use a peg would also agree, according to our Papa, that, but if it was just a regular old basket, you wouldn't have to use a peg. You would just be able to take out the bread and you wouldn't move the tree at all and that would be fine. So it's not a kasha on Rava. Vehilchasa, what's the halacha? Stadin asurin tzidit stadin mutarin. So the halacha is that stadin are asurin, okay? Tzidit stadin mutarin. Tzidit stadin are mutarin. Okay, fine. So I guess stadin are asurin, like Abaye would say. And when it comes to tzidit stadin, I guess we would pass in like, um, the opinion of Rab Shim ben Elazar in the name of Rab Meir, that it's mutar. Okay. Amr of Ashi, instead of Ashi, hashtag the Amr at stadin asurin, now that you said that Tzadin are Asurin, so then Haidarga Dimadla Lo Inish Adikla Dhabalu Tzadin. So let's say you have this ladder and the ladder is going up to some, you know, lookout thing next to a palm tree. So you would have to take this ladder and lean it against the palm tree. Well, the palm tree itself is going to be the Elon. The ladder leaning against the palm tree is going to be Tzadin uh, Elon. So we don't want you to do that because Sade Ilan is Asurin, right? So again, so Amr of to the Amr Stadin Asurin, now that we said that the sides of a tree are Asur, Haidarga, if you have this ladder, Dimadla, to go up to the palm tree, Lo Linche Inish Adikla, do not lean it directly on the palm tree, Tavalut Stadim, because then the ladder would be like the, the sides of the tree. Ela Linche Agavaze Livarmi Dikla, what you should do is you should like make some like kind of like nail a plank into the palm tree and then lean the ladder on that. So what you should do is basically you should take the palm tree and then nail like some kind of piece of wood, some kind of plank into the palm tree and then lean the ladder on that plank, okay? And then basically the ladder will be tzidetzdaden, which is mutter. Right, so you have the palm tree is the tree itself, obviously. You have that plank, which is the tzidet ilan. But then you have the ladder, which is leaning against that plank, which makes the ladder tzidet staden. And then he says at the end, and v'chisalik, and when you go up, lo lenach kari agavaze, don't step on that plank, because then you'll be stepping on the tzidet ilan, which is aser, ela lisnach akanen, make sure that you only step on the rungs of the ladder, because those are the tzidet staden, which is mutter. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I said that, right, that I, I thought that this page might be hard. It is, yeah. I mean, or at least, if it's not hard, at least it's, you can't really do it too quickly. What can I tell you? New Mishnah, Matirin, Pekie, Amir, Lifne, Behema. So you are allowed to, um, um, open up sort of bundles of, straw before an animal and you can scatter them as well as a kifin we're gonna the, the gemara is gonna go to town and try to figure out what all these different activities and materials are but you you, you can open up amir you can spread out kifin avalois azirin but not zirin it's gonna be machlokas what these things are ein miraskin you can't shred fodder or carib lifne behema in front in front of an animal um, Bendako, Vengasa, whether it's a, um, small animal, whether it's a big animal, small animals like sheep and goats, and big animals like cows and donkeys. Rabbi Yehuda, Matir Bachruv in the Daka, Rabbi Yehuda says that a, um, uh, sheep or a goat, you can, um, shred carob for them. Okay. Let's try to figure out what's going on in this, uh, Mishnah. Um, yeah, or at least try to, have machloks in about what's going on in this Mishnah. Says the Gemara, Amr Ravuna said Ravuna, Heinen Pkian, Heinen Kifin. Okay, so says Ravuna, right, so what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that, right, Matirin Pkian, Pkia Amir, Lifne Behema, Umufasbasin Esa Kifin. Right, that you're allowed to, you know, un, you know open up, untie these uh, Pkian of, uh, of, of, of straw. And you're allowed to spread out the kifin of straw. So it says, Ravuna, that pekian and kifin are really the same thing. Okay? Am Ravuna, Hainan pekian, Hainan kifin. 
that pakin and kifin are really the same thing. Okay, so what's the difference? So pakin, pakin tray, tray, kifin tlasa. The only difference is that kifin is straw. No, pakin is straw that is, you know, so you have like these long uh, sort of sheaves of straw and they're in a bundle. And if the bundle is tied at the head of it and at the foot of it, like at the top and at the bottom in two places, well, that's what's called pakin. Um, kifin tlasa. And what kifin is, it's the same thing as pakin, just it's got one extra tie. It's got a tie also in the middle. So if it's got a tie at the top, the middle and the bottom, that would be kifin. If it has a, top, a tie only at the top and the bottom, that is pakin. What's zirin? To arze. Zirin is a um, bundle of um, cedar that is moist that can be used for animal food, but is generally um, not, and they just let it dry out and it becomes um, firewood. That's what these zirin are. Okay. Velchi Kamar, and this is what the Mishnah is saying according to Ravuna. Matirin pekie amir lifnea behema umifaspasin. So you are allowed to take these bundles of straw that are tied at the top and at the bottom, and you can untie them, and you can even spread them out for the animal. And the same holds for kifin. Um, you can take these bundles of straw that are tied in three places and untie them and spread them out for the animals. However, um, on these bundles of cedar, you cannot do anything with them. You can't untie them. You can't spread, scatter them before the animal. You can't do anything. Even though technically speaking, they are, they, they are edible as animal food, but generally you would just dry them out and use them for firewood. Uh, you are not allowed to untie them or scatter them in front of the animal. Um, Rav Chizda, my time into Rav Huna. Rav Chizda comes and says, uh, what's the reason for Rav Huna? Chasavar lemitrach buchla tachinan l'shavuye ochla lo mashvinan. That you are allowed to, like, uh, you know, do work when it comes to food, but you can't make it into food. So therefore, when it comes to straw, straw is animal food. So therefore, you're allowed to untie it. You're allowed to even scatter it in front of the animals. You know, even though they would eat it without even necessarily be scattering, but scattering is just kind of the cherry on top, right? If you untie it, they can now eat it. Scattering it makes it much more appetizing for them. And according to Rav Huna, that is acceptable. You can do a tircha when it comes to food. Um, however, you can't make something into food on Shabbos. And therefore, these uh, bundles of cedar, well, this cedar was going to be dried out and made into firewood. You can't just decide on Shabbos that you're going to make this, you're going to use this for animal food. And um, therefore, you would not be allowed to untie them and certainly not to scatter them. Um, that is Rav Huna's opinion, that you're allowed to be toreach for ochlin, but you cannot make something into ochlin on Shabbos. Now, here comes Rav Yehuda's opinion, which is basically the opposite. Rav Yehuda Amar, Henen Pekin, Henen Zirin. So Rav Yehuda says that Pekin and Zirin are the same thing. Okay? Pekin, Trey, Zirin, Tlasa. That Pekin is when it's tied at the top and the bottom, right? We're talking about straw that's tied at the top and the bottom, and Zirin, are tied in three places, the top and the middle of the bottom, right? Basically, Rav Yehuda's zirin is Rav Huna's kifin, right? And they're, they're basically switched places. Kifin de arze, right? And then kifin, according to Rav Yehuda, is the cedar, right? So Rav Huna's zirin are Rav Yehuda's kifin. So basically, um, fine. So according to Rav Yehuda, um, pekian is the straw that's tied in two places, the zirin are the straw that's tied in three places, and kifin are these cedar bundles. And this is what the Mishnah says according to Rav Yehuda. You would be allowed to take these bundles of straw that are tied in two places and you can untie them in front of the animal. However, do not scatter them in front of the animal. Now, when it comes to kifin, which he says are the um, cedar bundles, not only are you allowed to untie the cedar, you're even allowed to scatter it in front of the animals. But when it comes to the zirin, which according to Rav Yehuda are the bundles of straw that are tied in three places, you're allowed to untie them, but you're not allowed to scatter them. Now, Amarav, my time with Rav Yehuda, Rav says, what's going on with Rav Yehuda? What's his opinion? Kasavr shavuye ochla mashvinan 
Mitrach ba'ochle lo tarchinan. So reviewed as the opposite opinion of Rav Huna, which is that you are allowed to make something into food, but you're not allowed to be toreah with food. You're not allowed to burden yourself with food, but something that is not food, you're allowed to make it into food. And therefore, Rav Yudah's opinion by the cedar is not only are you allowed to untie it, you can even scatter them because cedar is not generally going to be used for animal food. And therefore, by untying them, and scattering them, you're making it into animal food, and that is acceptable, right? You, but in order to make it into animal food, you have to untie it and also, also scatter it. And he says that that's permitted. However, when it comes to the straw, so whether it's the straw that's tied in two places or three places, as long as it's tied up, well, then the animal can't eat it. But once you untie it, the animal can eat it. And therefore, once you've already made it into food, well, then you can't scatter it because the animal will already eat it when it, you know, as long as it's untied, and therefore you can't go the extra mile to scatter it because that would be tircha by food. And Rav Yudah says tircha by food is not allowed, but you would be allowed to make it into food. Okay, so Rav Huna's opinion is that you are allowed to do tircha; you're not allowed to make something into food. Rav Yehuda has the opposite opinion, which is that you are allowed to make something into food, but you're not allowed to have tircha when it comes to something that's already food. Okay. So that's the machlokas between Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda. Now the Gemara is going to try to disprove Rav Huna twice. The first time it will fail, the, sef- the second time it will succeed. The Gemara will then try to disprove Rav Yehuda twice and will fail both times. Okay, so says the Gemara. Tanan, first attempt to disprove Rav Huna. We learn in our Mishnah, our Mishnah says that you're not allowed to shred fodder or caribs in front of an animal, and that's whether it's a behema daka, like a sheep or a goat, or a behema gasa, like a cow. Okay. So, my love, charuvin dumi deshachas. So, what are these um, caribs and what is this fodder? Well, let's say that from the fact that we're listing carib and fodder together, it must be that we're talking about carib that is similar to fodder. Just like fodder is soft and edible for animals, well then, we're, we must also be talking about um, carib that is soft. Okay? And what are we saying? And we're saying that you are not allowed to shred it for the animals, meaning it's already edible, it's already soft, and we're saying that you're not allowed to shred it. So we're saying that you're not allowed to do extra tircha when it comes to ochel. We're saying that this carib is soft, it's already ochel. And we're saying, but you can't shred it. You're not allowed to do extra tircha when it comes to ochel. Alma lo be'ochla utyuvta So we see that you're not allowed to do extra tircha when it comes to food. And it's a kasha of who says that you are allowed to do extra tircha when it comes to food. Amr lach Rufuna will respond to you and say, no, Friends, it's just the opposite. Lo shachas dumya de charuvin. I'm sorry, lo shachas dumya de charuvin. Rather, it is fodder that is similar to carib. Ma charuvin de akushe av shachas de akushe. Just like um, carib is hard, well, we're also talking about fodder that is hard. And because it's hard, it's not edible. And if you will be shredding it, then you will be making something that isn't food into food. And Rafuna says that that is what is not allowed. You're allowed to do tircha for food, but you're not allowed to make something into food. And that is why the mission is saying that you're not allowed to shred um, fodder and caribs for animals because it's hard and it's not food and you'd be making it into food and that's not allowed. When do you ever have fodder that is too hard for an animal to eat? The answer is for um, young donkeys. That young donkeys, the fodder can be too hard for them. Okay. Fine. Very good. Next attempt to disprove Rav Huna. Tashma, come in here. Rabbi Yehuda matir bacharuvin lidaka. So Rabbi Yehuda says that you would be allowed to feed um, carib to a behemah daka. Okay? And lidaka in ligasalo. That implies that you'd be allowed to feed Charuvin to a behema daka, but not to behema gasa. Okay. Now, the assumption at this point, well, throughout the Gemara, really, the assumption is that Rabbi Yehuda and the Tanakama agree. 
Rabbi Yehuda is really just clarifying the Tanakama and saying, you know, hey, Tanakama, you should nonetheless agree with me that Haruvin for Bei Madaka should be allowed. Okay? So, based on that, what does the Gemara say? So, Iomard Bishlama Tanakama Savar Mitrach Baochla Lo Tarchinon Shavuye Mashvinon. So, the Gemara says, look, if you understand the Mishnah like Rav Yehuda, which is that you're allowed to make something into food, but you're not allowed to go and do extra tircha for something that's already food, well then I can understand the dialogue between the Tanakama and, and, and Rabbi Yehuda. Basically, what the Tanakama is saying is that, well, the carib and the fodder are soft. And therefore, they're already food. And if you're going to be shredding them, well, you're going to be doing extra tircha for food. And that would not be allowed. To which Rabbi Yehuda is responding and saying, wait, but that's not necessarily always the case. When it comes to carib for a behemadaka, even though it's soft, the behemadaka still can't eat it. It's too hard. So relative to the behemadaka, it's actually not considered food. And therefore, Rabbi Yehuda is saying, you should be able to shred carib for a behemadaka because that would be making it into food. And that's allowed. You're allowed to make something into food. You're just not allowed to be toreach for food. So according to the way that Rav Yehuda understands this Mishnah, which is that you're allowed to be, you're allowed to make something into food. You're not allowed to be toreach for the food. So for something that's already food. Well, then I understand the dialogue between the Tanakhama and Rav Yehuda. So, so let's read in the Mishnah, right? Let's, let's, let's read in the Gemara. So... I understand the way that Rav Yehuda understands the Mishnah, which is Tanakama Savar Mitrach Baochla Lo Tarchinon, that the Tanakama says, look, you're not allowed to be Toreach for Ochel. And this fodder and this carib is already soft, it's already Ochel, therefore you can't shred it. Shavuye Mashvinon. But nonetheless, you would be allowed to make something that isn't food into food. And Hainu to Kaamar Rabbi Yehuda, and that's what Rabbi Yehuda responds to the Tanakama, Hacharuv and the Daka, Nami Shavuye Ochlahu. That when it comes to um, soft caribs for a behemadaka, well, that's also making something into ochel because it, a behemadaka will not be able to eat these um, caribs even if they're soft. Okay, I get it. I understand. However, if you understand the Mishnah according to Rav Huna, that you would be allowed to be toreach for um food, for something that is already food, you would not be allowed to make something into food, well then the only way to understand the Tanakama, who says that um, you would not be allowed to shred um, carib and fodder for animals, well then the only way to understand that would be to assume that we're talking about fodder and carib that is hard. And therefore, it's not food. And shredding it would be making it into food. And that's why you're not allowed to feed it to them. Well, then I don't understand the dialogue between Rabbi Yehuda and the Tanakama. Right? Ela'i Omar, Tanakama, Savar. If you said Tanakama holds, Shivui Ochla Loma Shvinon, you're not allowed to make something into food. Mitrach Ba'ochla Metarchinon, but you would be allowed to be Toreach for food. Right, to, but right, right, you would be allowed to Torah for something that is already food, but you wouldn't be allowed to make something into food. Well, then Rabbi Yehuda, Dimatir Bacharuvin Lidaka. Well, if Rabbi Yehuda is saying that when it comes to Charuvin to Karib, you're allowed to do it for Behemadaka, well, clearly that means that you're not making it into food because that wouldn't be allowed. It must be that we're talking about Torah for food. It must be talking about that these Karibs are already considered food, even if they're hard. And it's, a, it's just an extra tircha. And if it's just an extra tircha for behemadaka, well then certainly it's just going to be an extra tircha for, um, for, for behemagasa, right? Meaning if we're saying that for this little animal, it's already considered food, it's just a matter of doing extra tircha by shredding it up for the animal. Well, if it's food for the little, uh, shredding it up, you know, so that it'll be, you know, just better for the behemadaka, well then certainly the behemagasa would be able to handle this Carib, certainly it should be considered already food for the behemoth Gasa, in which case, why would the Tanakama say that you're not allowed to shred up the um, carib for a behemoth Gasa?
right? Kol shekein legasa. Certainly that if it's already considered food for Bay Madaka and Rabbi Yudah is recommending that you should be able to shred it just uh, to make it, you know, a little bit better and more enjoyable for this um, behemadaka, well then certainly it should be allowed for behemagasa because it's just a tircha after all. So the Gemara says, well, misava daka, daka mamish. So the Gemara gives a funny answer, which is, wait, well, do you think that when Rabbi says daka, it really means a behemadaka? My daka gasa. No, really, when Rabbi says behemadaka, he's not talking about a behemadaka, he's talking about a behemagasa. So why is he calling behema gasa behema daka? Because it chews up its food really well, but it's really talking about a behema daka, or behema gasa. But one second, the Reisha was talking about, right, the Tanakama was talking about behema daka and behema gasa, which means that they're two different things, not the same thing. So, so rather kasha. No, it's a, no, so we say no, it's a kasha on Rafuna, meaning the kasha stands. Basically, we asked a good question that according to Rafuna, who says that, um, you would be allowed to be toreach for ochel, you not be allowed to make something into ochel. Well, then from the fact that Rabbi Yehuda is saying that you should be allowed to shred up caribs for this behema daka, well, clearly we're not making something into ochel, we're just you know, being toreach for ochel. And if basically this carob is already considered ochel for this behemadaka, certainly would already be considered ochel for behemagasa, in which case, um, why would the Tanakama say that you wouldn't be allowed to shred up this uh, carob for a behemagasa? Uh, so, yeah, we don't answer that question, so it's a kasha on Rav Huna. Okay, now after um, focusing its attention on Rav Huna, the Gemara now shifts its attention to Rav Yehuda. Tashma, come here. Mechatrin es adluin lefnei behema vesanevel lefnei akladim. The good, the good part though is that this isn't as as complicated. So we have a Mishnah apparently coming up that says that you are allowed to cut up. Yeah, it's on Kufnun ve Nudvav Amud Beis that you are allowed to cut cut up. Um, gourds for an animal, and you're allowed to cut up um, nevela, a carcass meat for um, dogs. My love and mistama diluin dumian de nevela. Mistama were saying that the gourds were comparing gourds to this carcass that you're cutting up for the dog. My nevela just like nevela is soft, meat is soft, well also, we're talking about gourds that are soft. And if they're soft, they're already edible. And if they're already edible, well then, why would you be allowed to cut them up? It sounds like we're allowed to do extra tircha when it comes to food, which is a kasha on Rav Yudu says that you're not allowed to be toreach for food. You're only allowed to make something into food. But once it's food, you can't be toreach. So alma tarchinen ba'ochla. So we see that you're allowed to be toreach when it comes to food. That you have to do Rav Yehuda. It's a kasha on Rav Yehuda. Amalach Rav Yehuda, low. Rav Yehuda will say to you, no, that's not what the mission is talking about. Nevela dumididiluin. Rather, it's nevela, it's meat that is similar to gourds. Madluin da ashune, af nevela da ashune. Just like gourds are hard, we're actually talking about meat that is hard. And how do you find hard meat? What do you think, guys? How do you find hard meat? Obviously, sarpile, elephant meat. Yuck, right? Inami, bigur yasa zutre. Or, uh, we're talking about little um, little dogs that um, you know even just regular meat is difficult for them. Um, but it, so so therefore, um, Rav Yehuda says that the mission is talking about gourds that are not soft, right? They're they're they need to be cut up in order to make them edible. That's why you can cut them up. Um, and if um, yeah, if they were soft, then you wouldn't be allowed to be toreach according to Rav Yehuda. So we're talking about gourds that are hard, and therefore we're talking about meat that is hard as well. Tashma, kaminir detani Rav Chanan Minarda, Rav Chanan Minarda taught, Mefarchin teven v'aspasta u'me'arvin, you can take um, straw and fodder and you can, um, you know, break them into pieces and mix them together. So So we see that even though you have fodder and straw, which is already food the way it is, you could be toreach to break it up and mix them together. So we say no. Tevin betiv nasaria aspasta beile zutre. 
the straw that we're talking about is straw that's like a shtickle, like rancid. And therefore, you can't really eat it um, exactly the way it is. You have to kind of, you know, break it up a little bit and mix it together with this fodder. And this fodder, this fodder is also talking about for um, young donkeys that needed to be broken up as well. And therefore, you know, it, in, in its natural state, these things wouldn't be ochel. You have to make them into ochel. And therefore, that is why you could be toreach to make them into ochel. Um, okay, fine. Very good. So that was Machlokas between Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda about... Um, um, yeah, how to be toriach for animal food. Um, the good part, yeah, so the first Amud was really hard. Like, all that Erevin stuff, and then also this complicated machlokas between Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda. But the rest of the page isn't, like, really that hard, I think. But let's decide together. Says the Mishnah, Ein ovisin asagamo, so we don't make... Hmm, oh gosh, how do I read this Mishnah? <laughs> Just after I said that, like, this shouldn't be too hard. It really isn't that hard. It just doesn't make sense. Are those two different things? Hard to tell. But anyways, so uh, the Mishnah lists all sorts of things, and the Gemara kind of explains them. So, I don't know. Let's just move on. So, in ovsinus agamal, you can't be ovsinus the gamal. We're going to see what that means. Flow dorsin, you can't be dorsin either. Avamalitin, but you can be malitin. Ve'en ma'amirin esa agalim, you can't be ma'amirin the agalim. Avamalitin malhalkin the tanagolim, but you can be malitin and malhalkin the tanagolim. Again, let's read the Gemara and we'll figure out what these things are. It will be clear. Friends, have I ever left you astray? Maybe. But hopefully this won't be one of those times. Venosnin ma'im lemorsan avalo govlin. Okay, this, this is kind of clear. You can take water and Pour it into bran, just don't mix it together. Don't put water in front of bees and in front of doves in the dovecote. But you can put water in front of geese, and chickens, and in front of the herdosian doves or something. All right, friends, let's try to figure out what's going on. My in Ovsin. Great. When the Mishnah says that you're not allowed to be Ovsin Esa Behema, what is that? So we're talking about, um, so we're talking about feeding animals and different kinds of like manual feeding of animals. So Amar of Yehuda in Ovsin La Evus Besoch Me'el. It means that you can't force feed the animal so much that it's like it has a feeding trough inside of its stomach. Meaning before they would go out on a long trip, a long journey, like in the desert or something. So they would load up the camel with um they would load up the camel with lots and lots of food for like two or three days worth of food and it wasn't necessarily so pleasant probably if you were the camel but they would take food and just stuff it like mamish stuff it down that camel's throat um so much so that there was like a feeding trough inside of its uh stomach and that's what um an obsin means you don't make like an avus you don't make a trough in its stomach by filling it up with so much food Mi'ika ki'ai gavna, is it really possible to do such a thing, to stuff up a camel to such an extent that it's like there's a feeding trough in its stomach? In, yes, it is possible. And it's like Rav Yirmiya Midifti said, I saw a certain Arab merchant, that he fed his camel a core's worth of food and then packed another core's worth of food on the camel so that he'll be able to feed him more on their way. Now, a core is a freaking ton of food. Um, it's basically, so I think that the, the shear that they said was like, so one, one sa'a, I think, was 144 eggs worth, and this was 30 sa'a in one core. So it's like basically 144 times 30. So it's like a bunch, ke'ilu. Okay, fine. So ain't my mirin, okay? We said that you're not allowed to do this ma'amirin thing for a cow. Now, here's the thing, friends. Here's the thing. We talk about camel, camels. We talk about cows. We talk about chickens. It's all the same thing. What you're allowed to do for one, you're allowed to do for the other. What you're not allowed to do for one, you're not allowed to do for the other, okay? So right now we're talking about ma'amirin, which was in the context of a cow, but the same thing, the same things that you are or are not allowed to do for a cow, it's the same for a chicken and it's the same for a um, camel, Okay. So, Ezui Hamra'a ve'ezui Hal'ata. So what is this Hamra'a which is not allowed? And what is this Hal'ata that is allowed? So Amr of Yehuda, so Yehuda says, Hamra'a l'makum she'enu yechol l'hachzir. So Hamra'a is that you take food and you shove it down the cow's throat 
so far down that it it won't be able to hock it up anymore. The calf, right? So far down that it won't be able to hock up the food anymore. Halata the makom sheichol lachzir, but halata, um, which is allowed, is to um, place the food, uh, shove it down the cow's throat, but to a place where it could still hock it up. Um, great. So zel. So that's so that's according to Rav Yehuda. Rav Chizda Amar says Rav Chizda idi veidi l'makom sheni chol lachzir. Rav Chizda says no, you can shove down that food as far as you want. Vamra bichli halata biad. So hamra, which is not allowed, is if you do that with a kli. You can't do it with a spoon. You can't do that. But if you do it with your hand, shove it down as far as you want um, and push that food as far as you want, even if it's to a point of no return. Okay. So according to Yehuda, um, you're not allowed to send the food all the way down to where it can't come out anymore. If it, if you send it down to a place where it's still, you can like hock it up, well then that would be allowed. According to Rav Chizda, he says, no, you can send it down the throat as far as you want, just don't do it with a kli. Masiv Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef asks Akasha against Rav Yehuda. Now, we have a b'risa which says, So when it comes to a chicken, we're going to have to define what this is, but you are allowed to do mehalkatin, and you're even allowed, and certainly, if you could do mehalkatin, certainly you can do malkitin. Okay. Ve'en malkitin lione shovach ulione aliyah ve'en tzarech lomar she'en mehalkitin. Now, when it comes to doves, whether it's doves from a dove coat or doves from some kind of attic, you are not even allowed to um, do like regular malkitin, and certainly you are not be allowed to do mehalkitin. Okay, friends, what are these things? Well, that's what the Gemara wants to know. My mahalkatin, my malkitin. So what is this mahalkatin and what is this malkitin? Remember, for a bird, you are allowed to do both. For a dove, you are allowed to do neither. So, ilema mahalkatin de safela le biodayim, malkitin de shdi le kamayu. So if you say that mahalkatin is to take some food and stick it down the throat of the chicken, and malkitin is to just take some food and throw it in front of the chicken. Okay. And we're saying, so for a chicken, you're allowed to force feed down its throat and you're also allowed to just put food in front of it. And for a dove, you would be able to do neither. Well, lo. So that implies that when it comes to these doves, not only are you not allowed to feed it you know, down its throat to force feed it down its throat, but you're not even allowed to just throw it in front of the doves. Why not? What's wrong with just throwing food in front of the doves? So Ella, lav. So rather, what it must be talking about is mehalkatin is lemakom she'eni yichol lahachzir. Malkitin is lemakom she'yichol lahachzir. Rather, it means that, but what you're allowed to do for the chickens is that. Not only are you allowed to just force feed the chickens to a place where it could hock up the food, you can even force feed it so far down its throat that it can no longer hock it up. Now, when it comes to doves, you can do neither. You can't force feed a dove at all, but you would be allowed to throw some food in front of the dove. Michlal, which seems to be implying, which means that, meaning, we're saying that you would, when it comes to the chicken, and of course, as we said, the same applies to a calf and the same would apply to a camel. You would be allowed to shove down the food all the way down the chicken's throat until it can no longer hock it up. So then what's hamra'a? What is the thing that's not allowed? It must be bikli. That what's not allowed is to do it with a spoon. Like Rav Chizda says. But you would be allowed to shove it down the chicken's throat or the calf or the camel all the way down till it can no longer hock it up as long as you do it with your hand. And it is a kasha on Rav Yehuda. This b'risa is a kasha on Rav Yehuda who says that you would not be allowed to send down, to force down the food to a point of no return, even if it's just with your hand. Because this b'risa seems to be saying that you would be. So Amalach Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda will respond to, to you, the olam mahalkatin, really when it says mahalkatin, that you're allowed to force feed this chicken, it means that you are shoving food down its throat, but not to a point of no return. Point of no return wouldn't be allowed. Right? What, for, what we're saying that you're allowed to do for this chicken is just to shove it down its throat to a place where it could still hock it up. Mal, malkitin. And then what's malkitin? Dishadi kamayu. 
that you just throw a little bit of chicken feed in front of it. And now what you asked, but are you really saying that you wouldn't be allowed to do this for, for, for these doves? That for these doves, I can't even just take some food and throw it in front of them? Rav Yudah says, that is absolutely correct. You cannot. The chicken is your responsibility to feed. The dove is not your responsibility to feed because it can just go out and find its own food. Therefore, you don't have a responsibility to feed it and you cannot even throw food in front of the dove. When it comes to the chicken, you could throw food in front of the chicken. You can even force feed it to a place where it could still hock it up, but not past that, according to Rav Yudah. Kedatana, as we learned in a Bryson, knows the Mizonis Lifnei Kelev, you're allowed to put food in front of a dog. You're not allowed to put food in front of a pig. What's the nafkamina between a hunt and a pig? Well, the hunt, you have a chiv to feed, whereas the pig, you don't have a chiv to feed. You can also imply this from our Mishnah, that you're allowed to feed animals who it's your responsibility to feed them, but not animals who it is not your responsibility to feed them. You're not allowed to put water in front of bees, nor in front of um, birds that are in the dove coat, the doves in the dove coat. But you are allowed to put water in front of geese, in front of chickens, and in front of these um, these doves that you do feed, that are domesticated. My, my time, and Ravashi wants to say, how come you're allowed to put water in front of like the geese and the chickens and not in front of those other doves? Lav Mishum is it not because the Hani Mizonosan Alecha, that it's your responsibility to feed the geese and the chickens and the domesticated doves, whereas the bees and the other doves, you know, it's not your responsibility to feed them and therefore you don't put the water in front of them? So the Gemara says, one second, there's a, there's a hole in that logic. Because what the Mishnah is saying is that, you know, when it comes to, let's say, bees and these other doves, you're not allowed to give them water, but the implication might be that you're allowed to give them other food. And Ulataimech, according to Yuravashi, what's so special about water? then you also shouldn't be allowed to give them, you know, wheat and barley and stuff like that. But the Mishnah, strictly speaking, doesn't seem to have an issue with that. So, right, So from our Mishnah itself, we could just argue that, that water is different because they could find water anyways, and therefore, you know, you're not going to give them these things water, uh, like uh, bees and stuff water, uh, but other food you might be able to give to, give to them. So it's not necessarily a proof from our Mishnah, um, but we do still have that other brisa which says that you know that right that you um, feed a dog but not a, um, um, a pig. Fine. By the entrance of the Benesia. Now the article actually defined Benesia as the exilarch, which is the Reish Galusa. I didn't realize that the Benesia and the and the uh, Reish Galusa were the same. Interesting. At least according to that view. What does the Pasuk say in Mishlei? That a tzaddik, a righteous person, knows the um, sort of judgment of the destitute. That God recognizes that a, food, that, that a dog doesn't get much food. I assume that it's not talking about a domesticated dog. Or maybe it is talking about a domesticated dog. But the point is, whatever it is, you know, nobody was giving the dog too much food. So therefore, because God knows that the dog doesn't get to eat too much food, that is why he created the digestive system of a dog, so that food stays in its digestive system for three days, so that it can remain full for a longer amount of time. How do we know this? Because it's not, as we learn in the Mishnah, So let's say you have a dog that takes a bite out of a corpse. And now, of course, kazayis baser hames, right? A kazayis from a uh, flesh of a corpse is mitame in a beohel. So let's say you have this dog. This dog eats some of this corpse, and then the dog goes inside a house. So that wouldn't be mitame the house because as long as the dog is alive, the human flesh in its tummy 
would not be metame the house. However, what if the dog now drops dead? So now you have a dead dog, and inside the dead dog's tummy is dead human. So the question is, will the dead human inside the dead dog be metame the house? And so we say, well, as long as it hasn't yet been digested, well, yes, then the uh, um, human flesh is considered intact, and it will be metame ba'ohel. So, so for a dog, that is three 24-hour periods. Over the course of three 24-hour periods, the, um, the, the human flesh is still considered intact and will be metame the house. Whereas um, by chickens and by fish, I guess it uh, will digest the human flesh fast enough that you know the amount of time uh, amount of time that it would take i guess to burn the flesh is the amount of time that it would take for it to be considered digested and no longer metami ba'ol amar vamnuna said of amnuna shmamina orach ara lemijda umtul khalba so says of amnuna from the fact that we see that god cares so much to take care of the dogs right and he makes sure that that the, that it takes 3 days to digest their food so that they could stay full well then we should also do our part and uh, and uh, we should give meat to a dog. How much meat should we give to the dog? Amr of Mari Mishach Udne says of Mari, just give it enough meat that's like the size of its ear, not too much meat, and then you give it a, a little hit with a stick, and uh, that and that. So that's what you do. Give it a little bit of of meat and a hit with a stick. Right, so that it, so that it goes away and doesn't come back and won't latch onto you for more and more food. Now this is like out in the in the in the woods. But if it's in the city, then low. Then you don't do that. Also, the mishach is just going to follow you around forever, uh, and uh, you don't want that. Interesting. Says of Papa, there is nothing that is poorer than a dog, and nothing that is wealthier than a pig, because a pig will just eat anything. And it's happy with whatever you give it, and apparently people feed pigs a lot. Okay. Tana Kavase Rav Yehuda. There is, after all this, there is a Raisa that supports Rav Yehuda, who says that you are not allowed to shove down the food to a point of no return, but you are allowed to shove it down to a place where it could hock it up. So, Tani Kavase Rav Yehuda, Ezu hi Hamra. What is this Hamra that is not allowed? Ezu hi Al-Ata. What is this Al-Ata that is allowed? Hamra'a. So hamra, which is not allowed, is you basically force the animal to its knees, you then force open its mouth, and you just keep on force feeding it uh, vetch and water, you know, until you can't do that anymore. That sounds gross. Halata ma'achila mu'umad, whereas halata is that you feed it um, while it is standing, umashke, and it drinks while it's standing. And you feed it vetch separately and water separately. I.e., you're not like uh, force feeding it uh, as 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 severely. So the Mishnah had said that you're allowed to add water to bran, just don't uh, mix it together. Well, it didn't. Yeah, exactly. It says just don't mix it together. Says the Gemara. Amr Abaye says Abaye. Amrisa Kami Demar. I said it in front of Master. Masnis and money. And I said, who is the author of this mission? Now, interestingly, we've seen a few times that when Rav refers to Mar, he's referring to Rabba. However, the article wanted to say that it's referring to Rav Yosef, which is interesting. Although, there is something going for that in that this Machlokas that we're about to quote came up on Daf Yudches, and that was Rav Yosef quoting it over there. So that, so that would make sense, because after all, both Rabba and Rav Yosef were the teachers of Abai. So Amar Abai, Amisakami Demar, I said this, t- this mission in front of Mar, in front of Master, who will say is Rav Yosef, must need some money. Who is the author of this mission? Amar Li, Rav Yosef Bar Yehudahi. And he said that the author of this mission, who says that you're allowed to add water to bran, as long as you don't mix it together, is Rav Yosef Yosi Bar Yehuda. The Tanya, as we learn in Abai, Echanosin is a Kemach, Echanosin is if Reuven pours some flour into the bowl and Shimon pours the water into the bowl, Ha'achron Chayev Divrei Rabbi. So Rabbi says that um, Shimon is going to be Chayev for adding water, even though he didn't mix it together. Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda Omer Eino Chayev Achi Gabel. Whereas Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda says, no, Shimon is not going to be Chayev until they actually mix it together. Only at that point you can be Chayev. So we see over here also the author of the Mishnah who says that you're allowed to add water to the brand, just don't mix it together, is going to be Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda. But maybe Rabbi Yosef only says that by flour 
you would have to mix it together because flour is something that you mix together. But what about bran, which is not necessarily something that you mix together? I'll say that even Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda says that simply pouring the water into the bran might be enough to be usr. Don't think that the tanik beheja. Because we have a price that says explicitly, a nosnamaim the morsin divi rabbiosi by Yehuda, a divi rabbi. Okay, so we do not pour water into bran according to rabbi. Rabbiosi by Yehuda omer nosnamaim the morsin, whereas rabbiosi by Yehuda says um, that you would be allowed to pour water into bran as long as you don't mix it together. And therefore, rabbiosi by Yehuda is the author of our Mishnah. Friends, that was daf kufnun hey. And yeah, you know, Shabbos is not going to let up, you know. Yeah, you know, two daf away from the end of the Masechta, but uh, don't think that you're going to get away with any easy stuff over here. Let's uh, review the tons of stuff and intricate things that we discussed on daf kuf nun hey. So we started off talking about by uh, we started by talking about studen and tzide studen. Okay, Rabba's opinion was that um, studen are mutter, and then certainly tzide studen are mutter. Um, Rava says that you have to be consistent. If you say that Tzadin is um, uh, Osir, well then so is Tzidei Tzadin. If you say that Tzidei Tzadin are Mutter, well then so are Tzadin. Whereas Abayi says when it comes to Tzadin, um, it's Osir. When it comes to Tzidei Tzadin, the Maiz it's a Machlokas Tanoim between the Tanakam who says that Tzidei Tzadin are uh, Osir and Reb Shimon ben Elazar in the name of Rameir who says that Tzidei Tzadin are Mutter. The halacha is that Tzadin are Asurin, Tzidei Tzadin are Mutarin. Fine. Next, we talked about um, Tircha when it comes to preparing food for an animal. So we had there the Machlokos between Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda. Rav Huna said that you are allowed to do Tircha for Ochel, but you're not allowed to make something into Ochel. Rav Yudah says that you are allowed to make something to Ochel, and you're not allowed to do Tircha for something that is already Ochel. Then we got just now at the end into the Machlokas, into how do you deal with, you know, feeding animals on Shabbos. So, um, Let's actually just start with regular feeding because that's more normal. So regular feeding, the answer is if it's your animal, you could feed your animal. But if it's not your animal, then you wouldn't feed it. Such as those doves, which can get their own food, or pigs, you wouldn't feed those animals, um, at least on Shabbos. And, um, but uh, if it's your animal, so then it's mutter. What about force feeding? So we said, well, if you're going to f- force feed it enough food that it's like it has a trough in its stomach, well, that's not going to be allowed. Now, what if you force food down the animal's throat to the point of no return? Well, if you do it with a spoon, everyone's going to agree that it's not allowed. If you do it with your hand, well, then Rabbi Yehuda says that it's not allowed, but Rabbi, Rav Chizda says that, that it would be allowed. Um, if you um, shove it down the uh, animal's throat to a point where it could still hock it out, well, then everyone agrees that it will be mutter. Um, okay, and then at the end we had this machlokas. Between Rebbe and Rabbi Yosef Yehuda about pouring water into bran. Rebbe says it's also Rabbi Yosef Yehuda says it's mutter as long as you don't mix it together. Um, Alright friends, that was the Kufnun Kuf Hay of Masech the Shabbos. Have a great day. Peace out.